What's up, Opinions on Pickens family? It's your host, Alyssa Butterson, back with another exciting episode. This week, we have Colin Thompson, Carolina Panthers tight end, but trust me, he is so much more than just an athlete. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about Colin and his journey to get him where he is today, the good, the tough, the exciting, and everything in between. Welcome to the Opinions on Pickens podcast, the sports show where there are no fouls or flags, only baskets and touchdowns. Here's your host, Alyssa Butterson. Colin, thanks so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'm jacked up to be on. Thanks for having me. So I know this is going to put you on the spot, but I have to do it. Let's say you had a personal biography. What would the title be for your life? Even if it's not a specific, give us a roundabout. Not for long. That's my podcast too. So I'm going to stick with not for long. That's what the NFL stands for. And that's what really in my life, if I look back at the, you know, the, the more mature years, 27, but from like 20 to 27, nothing's been for long, really. It's been a lot of turnover, a lot of change, living all over. The only thing that's been consistent is probably my fiance, Cindy, who's been with me for those seven years. So and we get married in June. But yeah, not for long would be the title, obviously for my podcast, but also that's what the NFL stands for. I've never let the grass grow under my feet. I'm involved in, I've worked for finance company. I've done color commentary, play-by-play for Temple football for the last three years before I got back in the NFL. I played in the NFL, the AAF, the XFL. I've done marketing for Miller's company. I've started two podcasts. This will be the fourth version of my personal podcast. So to answer your question in a roundabout way, it'd be not for long. I love that. For those of you who do not know, like he, Colin said, Not For Long is his podcast. I've checked it out. It's pretty awesome. Trust me, when I'm doing these, I guess you could even say background check when I have guests on, I find out everything. Not in a bad way, though. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I would love to kind of bring it back. And I know this sounds corny, but I, I really like to start from the beginning. I feel like you don't really know where you're going unless you know where you come from. So Pennsylvania, grew up there. And did you have this kind of like, hometown hero high school experience? I wanted that, but I thought it was going to be in basketball. And I thought where I was in seventh and eighth grade, I was playing football, not at the middle school I was in, the public middle school. I ended up going to a Catholic school. That's why I brought the, I bring that up. But I started playing football in sixth and seventh grade in eighth grade. I was like right before I was in high school. And then I was playing CYO football and I was not playing football from the middle school I was at. And I guess we're started getting back to the middle school that I was like a solid player and there was possibility that I could go to another high school to play. And I didn't know my buddies were my football team. They were, you know, Catholic youth organization. There's a lot of football leagues where I'm from. They were all going to this Catholic school called Archbishop Wood or LaSalle or St. Joe's Prep. They're the three big athletic scholastic powers in our area. And I was going to go to Central Bucks East, which is a great school. My brother went there as an All-American swimmer. My dad coached basketball there. There's a lot of really great ties. But at the time, I was just looking for something different, something more on a personal level, a schooling level, academic level. And then, you know, athletically, uh, my dream in seventh grade was sixth grade was to play in the NFL when I started or play in the NHL, believe it or not. I love hockey. I'm a huge Flyers fan. But. Really was the NFL. We knew that was probably the most realistic thing. 
even though it was extremely unrealistic at 67 grade, but I never been told no by my parents. Very put your mind to it, we'll support you 110%. So I wrote a, a, I'll never forget it, I still have it printed. I have a, a email I sent. I went down to the athletic director's office when I was in seventh grade, excuse me, eighth grade. And I said, hey, I want to write the head football coach of Central Bucks East an email and let him, and just see what's up. You know, take a mature version about this of, hey, what's going on? Uh, I want to play football. I, I, I want to know more about your program. I want to know more about what you're doing, teaching players, whatever. Just tell me anything. Wait room. Because I had the school Archbishop board that was coming to my CYO football games and saying, hey, you can come play here if you want. Okay, great. So, and again, all my friends were going to, all my football friends were going to that school. So I wrote the email and, you know, it was very, I look back and smile. I did it the right way, which is pretty cool. And I got a response back to, hey, you know, no one player is bigger than this program. I was like, I just want to know, like, what the, I don't, I'm not comparing. I just want to know what's up. And no one player is bigger than this program. And, you know, if you want to come here, you can, but if we're not going to force you. So made it really easy for me. I, Steve Devlin and Archbishop Wood and Mary Harkins and Gary Zamaro and all the people there involved in that school was an easy sell. Done. I'm going to Wood. So I wasn't the high school kid where I drove, I had to drive 15 to 20 minutes to school every day instead of drives 10 and be a part of the community. And I, I still was a part of the community uh, in many ways, philanthropically, you know, uh, doing different things with, with, with special needs and uh, donating time and whatever money I had and a bunch of different things in the community, but still training at the gyms in my local hometown, still running at the field where I grew up. But again, going to a school down the road and ended up being a top 25 um, powerhouse in the state of Pennsylvania and, and really in the country. Um, and they won six state titles in nine years and we were the first one. So yeah, pretty crazy stuff. And, and again, to answer your question, I, I wanted to be the hometown hero kid. I probably still looked at it as the guy that made it to the NFL out of Doolstown, but I'll be, there'll always be an asterisk there. Like, oh, he went to, he didn't stay local. We went down the street. So, yeah. Um, So I love how you mentioned, I love how you mentioned about how your parents had your back a hundred percent, because there's a few things with that. One, that's a blessing in disguise because many people don't have that. I, I am one of the ones blessed to have that as well. And especially when you go through many trials and tribulations, like we've seen you've gone through, through football and in life. It's important to know that you have that team in your corner. I was always taught that by my grandparents. We're your team. We're, we got your back. We're those people in that corner for you when you need us. And that's just so important. Huge. Number one thing. And a lot of people have to overcome that. And I have a ton of respect for them. And I see it when I go to work every day with a lot of my teammates, the majority or overcoming massive odds. Not even we're starting out. I don't even want to talk about finance and and finances and where they are from and where they live and where they have to get out of. We're just talking basic is mom and dad there, grandparents there. Um, the hurdles that they have leaped over, jumped over, soared over, literally and figuratively because there are a lot of really great athletes uh, to get to where they are is unreal, unbelievable. And I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed I get to see that on a day-to-day basis because where I'm from, I'm, I'm blessed. There's, there's not many issues. Uh, parents, there's some blue collar, mixed in with some white collar, and you could get a personal trainer if you wanted. You could, there's a lot of great things in our area, great gyms, great fields, access to whatever you want uh, to improve both on the field, but off the field, tutors and all these different things. That, it's not realistic. 
really not realistic, but maybe realistic in, in my neck of the woods. So, um, yeah, your parents are huge. My mom has owned uh, a, a business called LSL Brands. There's about 12 stores that fall underneath of that apron and now six more. She bought Fudge Kitchen, the original Fudge Kitchen, which is a huge company down the Jersey Shore. Her stores go from uh, the fudge stores go from Cape May to Ocean City, just south of Atlantic City. And then her retail stores are Princeton, New Jersey, uh, a suburb of Philadelphia, Alaska, Pennsylvania, where Peasant Village is, and then Cape May, New Jersey, where I live down now, down the Jersey Shore. Not the TV show Jersey Shore, but down the Jersey Shore. So she's a workaholic. Um, my dad owned his own business as well, and he worked extremely hard. But my mom is a workaholic. I mean, she's a grinder. She is a strong businesswoman. She um, hires more women. She empowers tons of people. She's a legend. And I have learned a ton of work ethic and a lot of principles from both my parents, but my mother specifically, just watching her over the years do it um, is, is unreal. And she's a hero of mine, and I'm bumping the table here, but she's a hero of mine and, and, and a, a legend to me. Like I said, having both your parents is absolutely massive that are in your corner and they've been in corner uh, day one. Yeah, so fun story about my mom. I've done a bunch of these podcasts lately, a bunch of these. Like, I don't know what they are. That and radio, I've been doing a lot of it because of the Super Bowl. So I've told this story a couple times now, but just need to get into the relationship myself and my mom. The Giants won the Super Bowl, and we're from Philadelphia, and we support the Eagles, but my mom's friend from high school. He's kind of played in the NFL, Tim Lewis, and he coached all over the NFL. So he was a defensive coordinator for the Giants. He got fired, and a year later, they won the Super Bowl. But we were still Giants supporters, watched it, kind of dug our roots in with the Giants because all the Eagles fans hated it. And my mom said, you want to play in the NFL? you got to see the Terry Tate Parade. you got to go. The Giants in the Super Bowl. You have to go. You have to go. I want you to visualize it. I want you to see it. I want you to believe it. I want you to feel it and see if this is what you want to continue to pursue. And we took the train into New York City, took the subway in. We, we came in. An unbelievable flight. I'll never forget, sadly. Came in at 9-11, ground zero right there. Came up the escalators as a sea of just red and blue. We came up on top of the escalators and there's ticker tape everywhere. And there's just, it's bedlam. And uh, all these coaches and players are having a ball. Chase Blackburn, I'll never forget. He was one of the players. He's now my special teams coach for the Panthers. So we tell stories. I told him that story before too. So I've known, not known Chase, but I remember watching Chase in 2000. I think it was 2006. So, um, yeah, that's that's a that's a story about my mom and and how her impact on me and and really valuing experience over materialistic things, and and it really bled into my career and my you know mild success at a younger age. But it's really because of her and my parents and, and where I started for sure. Just kind of playing off that, especially how you said the visualization thing. I think that's very important as well. You see your mother, who you've described to me as a badass. Excuse me for my language. And, and I mean, that's awesome. It really is. And for you, it's like, I have this dream and even though I, I can't touch it yet, I can't physically hold it. I can visualize it and I can see that my mom and my dad, but my family, people I look up to have chased after what they've wanted and dreams and come true with hard work, visualization. And I mean, a mixture of so much more, but that, like, like you said, all, all that kind of brings into this recipe of I can do what I want to do with my life and move forward. And even if I might not be where I want to be, I'm going in the right direction. No doubt. And that message for a 10 year old boy from my dad 
is invaluable. I remember, never forget, we'd go to AAU basketball games or we'd be going somewhere. I always remember basketball. I don't know why. But we'd be in the car and he'd be like, you got to visualize. Like, I got to have trouble finishing around the rim. I always have like layups and stuff. Like always did a lot of things really well, the fundamentals. How but, tall are you? Like 6'4"? Yeah, 6'4". So you had a hard time finishing at the like, rim? I, Come on. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, that's a typical like, hey, you're 6'4". You should be dunking every time, you know. <laughs> then I'd be in the NBA. Or not in the NBA, probably not. But I'd be somewhere playing college basketball, not football. So no, I I would yeah I would struggle around the rim. I was too aggressive, like too aggressive. Football ended up being the perfect sport, but yeah, I would throw off the backboard and clang out, or I just it would just always roll. I didn't play basketball enough. I should have. I played year round, sure, but um, I didn't practice enough. I didn't. Um, I probably worked hard, but it, you know it was just the next season, right? It was like all right, baseball season's over, hockey's over, now it's football or basketball. So I'm like a lot of these kids now. They just pick one sport. You know, I really am against that. So. But as I was saying to my dad, like visualize your success, visualize layups, visualize, visualize, you know, making your foul shots and like that practice and visualization. It's crazy. And now they pay a ton of people a ton of money to do that, to speak to teams and players. And that's unreal. And then another story that I've told on this kind of car wash of podcasts and radio shows I've been doing, an unbelievable, just unbelievable blessing to be on your show. Um, I never, they'll never forget this. This is, a, this is a fun little story. So my mom was always like visualizing visualize success but you got to put it somewhere you got to write it down you got to get a vision board you got to find a way to get you know idols up on that board so it was like jason witten jeremy shockey jake cutler antonio gates tony gonzalez i don't even know why jake cutler was up there i mean i've always been a jake cutler fan he's great but there were so many better quarterbacks than him at the time i had peyton manning up there so i put jeremy shockey up on my board and i always was a fan of jeremy and what he did on the field so I wore number 80 in a CYO All-Star game. This was eighth grade. I'm like, I'm wearing 80. I played center and left tackle and right tackle, whatever they put me at. I still wear number 80. They're like, no, you can't play tight end. Okay, fine. So I get to Wood and I had to wear 84 because that's what the tight ends wore at Archbishop Wood in my high school. And then I get to Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida Gators. He went to Archbishop Wood. So, and he wore 84. Scars at, up. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, wore, he wore 84 at... Uh, at Florida as well, which is really cool. And I, I wore it there and a lot of other tight ends in Florida were. It wasn't because of me, that's for sure. I played three games. So I, uh, uh, long story short, I wore a bunch of different numbers in my whole career. But when I got to the NFL, I'm like, oh my God, I'm playing for the New York Giants. Like I was at their Super Bowl parade not too long ago. My mom's like, visualize, visualize, visualize. And I would always visualize myself as a giant, which is crazy. So I went undrafted and I, I don't care what number they give me. Like, if you care less, like just give me like a lot of tight ends that are first year, look at like 47 or like 43, like a linebacker number, but it's eligible. So they give it to you. And I walk on my lot, lot, uh, locker after the vision board I looked at every morning on the way to school and number 80 was hanging in my locker. Wow. This is some heavy crap. I was jacked up. I'm like, this is Shockey's number. Like, this is my number. So yeah, the vision board stuff is true. I believe in that. I'm not saying, hey, listen, put number, put Jeremy Shocker in your wall. You're going to be an NFL tight end. No. But when you wake up every day, sorry, I'm reaching to grab my tenure. Wake up, wake up every day and you you're, you're, you're have your goal in mind. Uh, there's something to that. And um, that's a little tidbit of what my mom and my dad were able to give me. I guess they gave me at a young age. Is that something that helped you through? Correct me if I have this wrong. Two broken. Was it your foot, your leg in college? And then you broke the other one the, the following year. Correct. Correct. Yeah, you did some research. That's fantastic. Good work. Um, I broke my right foot twice. Jones fracture, which is the outside bone of your foot. 
and then uh, did that on my right side. And then I did an irregular stress fracture on the left side. Joel Embiid's probably the most popular person, NBA star that had it. And he battled through a couple of years, three, four years of missing time. There's really nowhere to handle it. Uh, but again, it's the South Carolina territory. So in Charlotte, Dr. Robert Anderson, he's the best foot and ankle doctor in the country. And Florida's like, hey, your career's over. We want you to be able to run and walk with your kids and your career's done, man. It's just time to fold it in. You're like, it hasn't but even started. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm playing the NFL. Like, that's what I was always supposed to do. So, yeah, I fought through some injuries. Yeah, but I knew I was in the right place. So, again, like from my parents telling me that this is your dream, dream, to dream, to dream. I dreamed it. My mom has always wished, dream, realize. That's her slogan. So, one of her slogans, she's got a couple. So, I'm like, I'm here. Like, I'm not getting out of it. I'm going to find a way. So Florida's like, you're done. Career's over. We'll pay for your schooling, but it's called a medically disqualification. We'll pay for your schooling, but you're not cleared to play football here. Okay, fine. So I go to Robert Anderson in Charlotte. He says, you got to take some time off, but you're fine. Don't worry about it. Maybe a cortisone shot in the left foot. Your right foot's going up great. Should be fine. So I went and saw him. I fought the medical of Florida for, for years. Not years. Back that up. Months. Probably felt April. like years felt like years. Oh my goodness. It was ups and downs. And I was doing really bad in school and just was a, met my fiance. So socially, everything was on a, a high level, but school wise, it was at a, not in a good place, but uh, working out wise, I was in the best shape of my life and I was just ready to prove people wrong. And then that's where really I changed my mindset that I'm going to start proving people right because there's a lot more people that believe in me that don't, at least in my mind, uh, and at least the people that I want to surround myself with. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I've been through it a little bit with the injuries. And it was early in my career. And I think the one that, thing that bothered me the most was I was labeled as a guy that's injury prone. And I just came to realize that there's really no such thing. It's like either you're lazy or you're not. Yeah, injuries happen. There's free things that happen that can, yes, obviously ruin your career. But at the time, they were just broken. Like they weren't, this is like my fourth ACL, not on wood. This is like just a broken bone in my foot that has a beautiful deck screw in now. And I wish everything had a deck screw in it because it's awesome. Uh, it's strong. So I'm getting off topic, but yeah, definitely that belief and, and that trust that, hey, I'm doing the right thing. This is what I've always wanted to do. And then moving up in the in that business and in, in what I want to do and help me maintain my confidence throughout it. Yeah, there's some dark days for sure. Do you have a message, I guess, that you would like to give to college athletes right now that may be going through a similar situation to what you went through in college? Well, I'll just speak to college athletes in general is, and I always say this, just learn from other people's mistakes because a lot of people make a lot of mistakes in college. A lot of people make a lot of mistakes in high school and that's just a part of being young. But if you can learn from others and not yourself, you will move up quickly. Just don't beat yourself. Um, and that's something that we, that coach rule with the Panthers, he always talks about. And it's like the same thing as a person in school. Don't beat yourself. Just do your homework turn everything in early, like just be normal or above and you're going to beat it. You'll just beat out that there goes half the people by you. And then you continue to excel and make your decisions from there. Obviously you want to be the best. So really for me, it was like, don't beat yourself, learn from other people's mistakes. And then, you know, obviously learn from yours as well. And that's kind of cliche, but it's really the truth. It's pretty simple. You know, people you that are in, you work hard, good things uh, will come to you. And yeah, I do really believe that. And like people laugh at that kind of hunky dory thing, but it's true. I think the one thing, and that's my mom's message that she always passed along, was write things down. Create a journal. You won't regret it. Um, I always really wanted to, and I wouldn't make a journal would last for me over like 10 to 15 days. I always like, I would work out of the phone because of the journal. I really firmly believe that. And then I'd be on the good things. Like, I don't have time to write things down anymore. And I regret that. 
because then like I heard Matthew McConaughey on a podcast sometimes like I've wrote a journal every day of my life and I've been able to reflect back of what I was doing and when I was happy and when I was sad I'm like wow it's really cool because now you, can, you see how advanced he is as a human being you're like that guy's got his crap together so really for me write things down create a journal I have some journals for my injuries and through my time and again people that were in my shoes that was your question you got to write that those demons out because there's a lot of demons especially social because the social side of college is just pulling pulling on you hard you're already an athlete you're already committed to what you're doing you already have to go to study hall and tutors and you have to gain weight or lose weight or beat it's a lot of stress somehow try to find a personal life in there and a family life as well but also one absolutely amazing gift you get did get through this tough time you went through in college your fiance yeah so you're here today. We've overcome all of our tough days till now. So yeah. I love the idea of the journal thing, especially looking back. Cause like you said, those tough times are things to reflect on and be grateful now for where you've been and now where you are. No doubt. I think that allows you to pivot, see things and a couple steps ahead too. When you're writing things down, you're really self-evaluating. Like, okay, how do I handle today? That's another thing. Like constantly self-evaluate, be your hardest critic. Don't beat yourself up, but beat yourself up a little bit. Say like, okay, like maybe I was wrong here. Like you're not always right. And I, you know, I think we all think we're right, right? We, we have our morals and who we are, but at the end of the day, like you have to sit down with yourself and say, what did I do wrong today? Now I take, I use, I just take the same lessons from football. I put it into my life. This is all stuff I've learned from coach Wool and with Carolina. And when he was my coach at Temple, it's the same person. And all over the coaches I've learned in my life and the successful business people I've been around. I just put it in my life. That means self-assessment. Yeah. Self-assessment. Hard critic. You just have more gratification because it's easier to say I'm wrong. You know, I think that's another thing. Is like, it's a lot easier to say you're wrong if you're constantly evaluating yourself and where am I at? Yeah. It's easier to say sorry to people or whatever it may be. It, 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 I don't know. It's something that I've always, not always, or something. You're never too about. big to respect the custodian or the cafeteria ladies, because trust me, they'll become some of your best friends and some of the people that are on your team or in your corner, like we were saying. Great point. That's like the life I've, I've, I've like one of my mottos too, that I don't like share with a ton of people, but a couple of rookies asked me this year, like what any advice for the NFL? I said, get to know everybody, get to know everybody. One of my best friends in all of Carolina, since I've been there is, is Eddie, our security, not Eddie, our head of security, Eddie now. He and I want to have him on my podcast. He's a legend. He was a former NY uh, PD police officer in New York City, and he was there for 9/11. And he was a he lived a life for like 10. He lives a life for like 10 people. Security guy for the Panthers now, but he probably was a part of the police department in New York. He worked the NASCAR circuit, and he was a pit crew uh, head of a pit crew for Pete Budweiser. The guy is the most hey. interesting man in the world. He's got way more stories than that. But I met Eddie. And he was like, not my only friend, but my only friend outside of football, quote unquote, in Carolina. Uh, he's a you know a friend during COVID, which was a tough time. So, yeah, I always tell him, get to know everybody. When I was with the Giants, I think the hardest part was for me was that when I got cut out of nowhere, and that's how I'm out for long started, I was like, I can't say bye to the people that make my lunch every day for me. And they're very close. We're all Facebook friends now, and we're still great friends. And I still message back and forth with Angelo about what recipes excuse me, different things I want to do for the holidays. So uh, you're right. Got to invest in everybody. Excuse me. hundred percent. You have to invest in everybody. And it, you know, it, it comes tenfold back to you. 
we've had other guests on the show who have been people that have gone undrafted, similar to your situation, one being Ryan Clark. And we kind of heard some of his story. And it's crazy to see how I even remember him saying at one point, he was like, yeah, I got cut. And I, my mom told me, go find a job. Life moves on. Like you have to find something to fill that time in that void. You can't get down on yourself. Of course, his story ended up evolving into a different way like yours is, which is great. Amazing. We love seeing those things. So going to the Giants, being on that practice squad, which one is making history in itself. Then the narrow percentage of people that even make it that far is slim pickings. So you go to the Giants, you become a part of this community. Then you had an unfortunate accident. You want to inform our OOP fam about that? Yeah, so crazy. I played like four or five snaps the night before my accident there. Not an accident, but uh, then people were like, oh, you got in a car crash? No, I did not. Yeah. Um, I played four or five snaps. We played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, another team I grew up. The first two NFL games I went to were the Giants and the Steelers. Very weird. And then the, my first game I played in was Giants versus Steelers. So vision board people. It's weird, but it, it worked for it hit it hit me like a lot. Real weird way to hit me. So not even like reaching for strolls either. I'm talking like real stuff. So yeah, so long story short, played the game, saw my family, like hugs, you know, kisses, crying, like this. But played the game, played the NFL game. You did it. Okay, great. Uh, my mind was focused on practice two days later, but had some friends in town and we were gonna go stay in New York City for the night, just get dinner get up, go to breakfast, walk around, grab lunch. And then I was going to head back to the facility, do some rehab and get ready for the next day's practice. It was kind of like our first little break in camp, 24 to 48 hours off. So we go get dinner, everything's fine, go to bed. It's great. I haven't seen my fiance in a month at that point. And which was normal for us. We, we battled through a lot of long distance time. She's a rock star and tongue with me through the entire way. So I wake up the next morning and it's any pain. My stomach's on fire. I'm running around New York City. Cindy's running around New York City. We're going to CBS, taking laps. We're trying to find any way to get whatever's going on my stomach out. Well, I'm going to find out it was an emergency appendectomy. I didn't know at the time, but we're in the Uber going to the facility. I'm calling the facility like, I'm coming in. Like, it's my girlfriend at the time, Cindy. She's bringing me in. I'm in a ton of pain. We got to figure this out. Like, I'm in a ton of pain. And I've been through some pain in my life with the surgeries and breaking my feet and all these different things. So I'm like, guys, this is like a 10 out of 10 pain record. It's worse. Knock on wood, worse than breaking the foot. So I go in, they're like, oh, we don't know. We'll just take you to the hospital, take a casual, like, Bozio. I'm like screaming in the car, like, guys, you got to get me in. So I get into the hospital and I go to the front of the line because I'm with the Giants. I felt so bad for those people that were behind it. But if I didn't go in, my appendix would have burst and that would have been really, really bad. So I go to the front of the line. They rush me in. Now the team doctor comes running in. He's got a white shirt on and mustard stain on it. I'll never forget it. He, Came in from lunch. He was at the dinner with his with his wife on a Sunday. The game was on a Saturday. He's at the dinner with his wife, and he came rushing in. He's like, "Come on, I'm going to do your surgery. Just give me ten minutes." And uh, gotta change yeah, my so, shirt. <laughs> sorry, gotta change my shirt, huh? <laughs> exactly. Gotta clean up. So ended up uh, really going having the surgery. It took a little longer than expected. You know, all the typical drama that comes with it. And uh, yeah, about 48 hours later, I got caught by the Giants. After they told me, hey, we're going to give you two weeks to recover. Everything will be fine. And that's normal for the NFL. I think there's a shot at the Giants organization. They are first class. They really are. And they handled me. Uh, my fiance, they got her account card anywhere she wanted to go when I was in the hospital bed. So they are first class all the way through. Unbelievable people. So yeah, I got cut though. And that was a business. They have to put 90 guys out for practice. 
Leah, the appendectomy hit. I got home. I walked like 10 miles a day because you could not run. And I felt so, I was so upset. I lost all that training, all that work I put in over the summer was gone. Devastated. So. But I'm sure there was a lot of mental training going on during that time also. I had to move. I had to move. I had to walk. I had to get podcasts going. I had to figure something out. So what That's I the do time you started for, your podcast? Correct. So I started my podcast called it Not For Long and just, I don't know, started it. No, like called a couple of my buddies to do podcasts. Shout out to House Scoop, Temple, a Temple podcast. And they're and they like, hey, grab this mic, do this, do that. I sold the same Yeti mic, shout out. Grab this mic, plug it in, put it on Anchor, whatever, figure it out. Podbean, okay, great. So I figured it out. I've done four versions of it now since now we're all in. Nothing, what you listen to, if you listen, I appreciate you tuning in. It's all old stuff. This will be new coming forward. There'll be three. We're going to be doing a big launch in uh, probably later part of the month. So we'll keep us in the loop. I will. Yeah. So to end the story, uh, I just couldn't stop. So I, I got, I'm fortunate that Jeff Collins, a new coach at Temple, was like, hey, all alumni come back and train at Temple like adamant. Like, I mean, crazy. He put 10, he was a Florida Gators defensive coordinator there. Uh, for a couple of years, so Gamecock Nation will know, will know it, uh, Coach Collins, and now he's a Georgia Tech, so not that far away. Um, so, yeah, I would be like 10 lockers for all the former players. I would go down there, and that allowed me to train, leave my stuff, get my clothes washed every day that I would train in. Like, an unbelievable experience, but I treated myself, like, I treated it like a 9-5 job. I would get on the train in the morning, get to the temple by 9, leave by 5, and I would live for 3-4 hours and run, and then I would watch film and be around the scouts and the coaches and the players and be involved. Plus, I was doing radio on the weekends for Temple football games. Started with a finance company, doing a podcast for them. Uh, I had my own personal podcast going. Started running marketing for mom's company. So all of a sudden, I went from full football to now I have four different hats. And now I've done that now for years now, doing around the same thing and wearing all these different hats and not letting the grass grow under my feet. It's always kind of been my thing. At least now, I'm like, wow, I haven't done. I've done a lot in the last four or five years. So, uh, yeah, more than an athlete. Bit. Oh yeah, that's way more than an athlete, huh? And that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. It's it's a it's a blessing um, to be able to do a lot of different things, and that's uh, because a lot of the opportunities my parents gave me are really. Then after, of course, getting your heart broken, like losing a longtime girlfriend, leaving the Giants, you love everyone there. You've made these heartfelt connections. You have that time off. You you take this time with Temple to really kind of train i'm guessing and just keep keep yourself in shape and ready then you have an opportunity with the chicago bears yeah zach miller crazy zach went down and almost lost his leg in his life uh, against new orleans and i'm watching the game oh man and like everyone always texts me when you're out like oh tighten got hurt tighten got hurt is your agent on the your agent and then working? you get the phone call and I, I was like eight weeks of that i was like my agent's working stop bothering me you know so i go to the delaware valley College, a really good Delaware University now, a really good Division Three football program in my hometown in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And I'm running there. I'm waiting for the train to come take me to Temple because I had a shorter day. So if I had to like get back for something, I would run before the train, sit on the train. It's stupid. I'd sit on the train and sweat for like an hour and then go with the Temple shower and then come back. So I'll never forget this. I was like melting down. It was pouring rain. The train was delayed like 45 minutes. It was starting to get a little colder. And like uh, right around uh, right to Thanksgiving, my agent's like, "You may get a call this weekend. Won't let you know." He said that every weekend. Though. Stay ready, stay ready, stay ready, stay ready. So I'm staying ready, and I'm like honestly breaking down on my girlfriend at the, at the time, fiance now on the phone. Like, I'm done. It's just 
So it's ridiculous. Like, I'm not going to get a shot. I only played four plays in an NFL game. I did absolutely nothing. It was at the end of a game in garbage time. Well, lo and behold, agent calls. You're going to the Bears. Fly out. Run around like a nut. Like, go home. Uber and everywhere because I didn't have a car at the time. And just trying to find a way to, to make it. And I go to Chicago. And I told myself, you're not leaving here. You are not getting cut. And, and you know, you're going to beat these four tight ends that are with me at a workout. And to give people a little insight on what an NFL workout is when you go in and see them, this usually surprises people. It may be like, as a tight end, you're maybe run like six to ten routes. Some coach will throw you the ball. Like, you don't bring a quarterback in unless there's already a quarterback there. Some, like, backup receivers coach will throw you the ball. And then you'll hit the bag for some blocking drills, like maybe six reps, and that's it. Sixteen reps, say, max. Maybe twenty. Some teams make you run a little bit, but it's very rare. Small window I mean, to show and prove who you are. That's it. That's it. So I got my agent called me right after the workout and said they're signing you. Like a minute after. I don't even know how that happened. I got down in the locker room, had a missed call from their office and called him back and he said they're gonna sign you. So it changed my life. It really did. Go to a first class organization like that to be you know, Chicago Bears, unreal to go be in that city was fantastic. I was on the practice squad with John Fox for the last eight weeks of that season, signed a futures deal. Uh, Ryan Pace gave me an opportunity to sign a futures deal there, which is just another extension of your contract that you already are on as a rookie. And then I was there all the way through September and they traded for Khalil Mack the day I got cut. And uh, yeah, drove straight through, drove straight through, devastated, another emotional car ride of highs and lows and Friendships come to an end. That's the toughest part. You're there for a year almost. You know, you lose all the friends in a way. It just, it's your place of work and no place, no worse feeling than being told you're not wanted anymore. Now, when you get that call, you're cut. Is that like a motivation for you? I know it's upsetting and devastating and a lot of other feelings, but do you get this kind of like chip on your shoulder? I guess I could say, like Great work question. harder. I, I, yeah. You know what? I try not to like, I try not to. Cliche too. I try not to let other things like dictate how I react, how I move, how I do things. Like I'm not going to work any harder now because I got cut. I mean, yeah, I'm going to change how I do business, right? I maybe I got to run a little bit more. I need to work on my game, but I'm constantly again self-evaluating me. So, like, yeah, I may get cut, but that's not the end result for me. You know, we may lose a football game, but or I may play bad, but like I need to just change one or two things and then change my lifting and just navigate a little. No high, not too high, not too low. Yeah, I was upset I got cut because I know I could play. But it gave me other opportunities, I guess, to answer your question. It gave me some more opportunities to do different things. It, it made me maybe want it more to get back in. Um, but when I got cut by the Bears, I just started working for my mom's company. And I ran, she opened a new store and I ran the marketing for that for five, four or five months. And I did all the Temple football games on the weekend. I was working like six, seven days a week. So, yeah, to answer your question, did it motivate me? I think so, but it didn't motivate me anymore that I'm already motivated to make it, you know, to answer your question. Gotcha. And then yeah. you went and worked for your mom. And then something I always say to you also, this is corny. And we're talking about corny sayings with career, with my podcast and life is you can only get so many no's before you get a yes. And I'm very accustomed to hearing the word no. At this point, I love the word no. It's like, you know what? Let, let's just keep going. Let's keep rolling on. It's okay. Like you said, like I kind of said the chip on the shoulder. I don't really get those because I'm just like, somebody will 
understand what I'm doing and invest in me as a person. And I just haven't found that right person yet. That's exactly how I felt with, with getting cut. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Uh, cool. Thanks. Here's my number. Let's stay in touch. I shot everyone. Thank you. When I left, kept it rolling. Show and rolled you on. have this opportunity with the XFL. Did you, but when going into it, I know a lot of people had a lot of mixed emotions, including myself. Did you really truly think this is going to work? And I'm, I'm just asking honestly. Well, I'll back it up. And a story I probably never told on air, but now I'm okay. I'm fine telling it. So fast forward, this was uh, this the other day. Let's see, Giants 2017. I'm trying to do the math in my head. This was 2018, January. The AAS, before the XFL, was born. The Alliance of American Football League. Um, and they had like the Orlando Apollos. That was Steve Spurrier's team. They were very good for the game cognition, Gator Nation that would be listening. There was all these different teams, right? I was in, so I was in Baltimore, uh, went out with some friends the night before. The next day, like, hey, there's a new Guinness factory. Let's check it out. Have a couple of drinks just to see it. I was, again, I was just training and this was like an off weekend for me. So I'm like, yeah, I can have some beers, no problem. So I went to Guinness factory. I have two beers. And I get a text from an old friend. Are you in shape? I'm like, yeah, I'm in shape. What's up, man? What are you doing? He's like, I'm with Birmingham Iron Man. We need to tie down. We are thin. Can you come in for a workout? I said, yeah, when? What's up? He's like, you know what? There's actually may have been right around this time. It was either MLK. It could have been because it, it may have been President's Day weekend uh, three years ago. He's like, hey, listen, it's President's Day. And we were like, some, for some reason, we're off. I don't know why. But he's like, come in Tuesday for the workout. I'll look at my, my notes. Book. So I came in Tuesday and then won the workout against another tight end. I was our third tight end in Birmingham there for the rest of the season. I ended up starting a little bit here and there. But, yeah, I was at Birmingham, and that league that league folded. So those are all going to the XFL. This is a minor league that produced some good football, but the business model was poor. We were making a ton of money for minor league football, and they were paying coaches on money. It was just a business model was not good, in my opinion, and a lot of opinions because the league crashed because of financial issues. But we were getting some decent ratings, okay ratings, and it was fun. So fast forward, that league goals. And that puts me, I started coaching um, football, seventh and eighth grade, down here in Cape New Jersey with some friends and helping kids out. It was great. I loved it. So the XFL became a thing. And there's a draft. So I put my name in the draft. I got drafted. That's kind of the short story version of it. Excuse me. And uh, I'm like, I guess I'm going to go play in this league. Talking to my agent, he's like, well, you know, these good people are in it. There's some successful business in business minds and obviously football minds as well. We'll give it a shot. What's your gut? My gut, if I think back to it, is this is my only chance to get back in the NFL at this point in time, I think. I think we have, may have some opportunities, but they're going to be a long shot. So how about I really take it into my hands? And then I'll, I'll have a shot in the league. And while I'm in the XFL, promise yourself you're going to work to get, like you're going to be back in the league, not just to play well in the XFL. So I get in the XFL and it was nothing short of, of, I use the term first class, but it really was for where we were, for what we were doing, uh, minor league football, playing on CBS, NBC, ESPN. There's beer snakes going out of the back of the stadium. Like it was chaos. It was, it was fun. There was a draw to it. The amount of texts and calls that all my friends and family used to send and all my friends would get. And it was a big deal to play in that league. And it was really unique. I, I loved it. I loved it. I wish I would have made it through. And I thought, if anybody can make it go, 
through the coronavirus. It's the people that were involved in WWE, Nick Man and the XFL, but obviously we didn't know much about the virus at the time. So I thought it was going to be, I didn't even know what it open-minded and it was fantastic. Let's talk about, of course, the highlight of the year for you, which would be your first touch in a game with the Panthers, a TD baby. Like, let's wow. go. Let's go. What's the feeling? Like, how are you feeling? With, that definitely is a nice welcome to the Panthers. Crazy. What a crazy, crazy event. You know, usually you have a feeling of what's going to be called. And we talked about the play a little bit that week, and it was in for the last couple of weeks, but not to the extent where I thought I was going to be calling the, you know, the first play uh, when we got down towards the red zone there. There was a couple of really crazy plays that happened before. Shaq Thompson with a great interception. We complete. We went for it on fourth down and got it. We went first and ten. I think we ran the ball and then we got in there and, and I kind of blocked the run and broke to the flat. Teddy Ridgewater in the O line receivers. Really, everyone on the field. All the tight ends that are out there with me. There was all three of us out there. You know, play fake. Teddy drops back, throws it up. The wind caught it, so the ball started spinning weird. It was a windy day that day, but it was on the money. And uh, caught it with the Winfield uh, Jr. from the box straight over my back and on the end zone and started going crazy. What a feeling for me from my teammates. Never forget that. The more I watch the video and I've seen it probably a million times now, people either send it or I see it or whatever it is, I get to see a new guy on the sideline that was really happy for me and for us for winning and, and to be a part of something for where I've been and not really been the of a major key, a part of anything. Even the XFL, I was like, I called on late. They're like, okay, yeah, this guy brings something to the table. The AAF, I was the third tight end. But in the NFL, to be the third tight end and be on special teams and be a major part of the short, short yardage, goal line stuff. And it's an unreal feeling for me, you know, to be appreciated in that role where someone says, hey, we believe and trust you. And then you can go out and work for it to gain that trust in yourself to go do it. It's pretty cool. Um, Especially, of course, the cherry on top. It was against our Super Bowl champs, the Buccaneers, for Great this year. My fiance said, he's like, you know you scored against the Super Bowl champs this year. I was like, oh, no big deal, right? right? Put your hand through your hair. No big deal, hon. I got I this. I know. I hand through my hair now. This is weird, too. I usually have a buzz cut. Now I got this mop. I don't even know what to do with it. I just got out of the pool from swimming. It's like stuff drowning. And now I'm a mess. Time to get a, to go back to the buzz cut. But, yeah, it's crazy. Rocks won the Super Bowl, so. So are you looking forward to this upcoming season? Are you, what's most exciting about it for you personally? This is the most I've looked forward to playing football. And I've always loved the game. Don't get me wrong. But this is the most I've looked forward to playing football ever. I mean, we have a great team coming back. Obviously, Coach Rule and the staff have done an amazing job. And it's a fun place to go to work. It really is. You know, it's fun, not in the sense that, yeah, like we don't we just mess around all the time. But there's a lot of work being done. It's a healthy workplace and for guys you know, like myself, that want to put the work in and, and get it done. There's a lot of people with the same exact stories that I do. Sure, not the same back details, but under a lot of hurdles when it comes to playing careers to get over those hurdles to get back into the NFL. Uh, one of my best friends who played together at Temple, P.J. Walker, he was in the XFL. He started quarterback for Houston. He was the man there. He was in Carolina this year, ended up getting the number two spot at quarterback and started a game, played in three or four games. A bunch of different players like myself in that building. There's but the cool part for me is I know a lot of people. And in pro sports, that's not normal. And I know a lot of people that I made friends, but I went to college with, at one point, I think seven Temple players were on the team. I know some of the Baylor guys from going down to visit Coach Rule at Baylor. Probably that puts me in maybe 10 people. And then just go to coaches and 
staff members, you're looking at another 15 to 20. So there's 30 people in that building out of maybe a hundred that I know. And then made all new friends, you know, in the building and coworkers that I really love going to work with. So it's really unique in pro sports. Usually, you know, one to two people and their references from another person that knows you who knows that. So I'm jacked up. I'm excited to be back in Charlotte. Hopefully a healthier, happy America at that point in time and, and get to really enjoy the city because everybody told me how wonderful the place is. I've never seen an athlete so happy about going to work to get that thing put up his nose to get tested every day yeah. for COVID. You know what? That wasn't that bad. I'll be honest with you. Everyone, I think they were a little easier on our noses because we were there so frequently every single day. Um, but the horror stories are like, oh my God, it's touching my brain. And uh, maybe once every like three weeks, I'm only go a little farther than you're normal. But yeah, they swabbed the inside of your nose and we did it every day. And it was like a three minute thing. Get your paper, get swabbed, and they fill out a little questionnaire on your phone, send it, submit it. You get a text, gives you a blue check, a green check mark, you go into the building, show that, and then you're good to go. Wear your mask around the building. Obviously not when you're like in the shower or eating, but other than that, you're wearing your mask and you find a way to get it done. Credit to the NFL, credit to the Carolina operations team and Coach Rule and the med staff there to get it done because it's not easy. And they did a great job. Coach David Tupper, owner, Mr. Tupper, what an unbelievable man. And uh, just really special place to go to work. I'm happy to be there and hopefully I can be there for a long time. So this upcoming season, when you get your second TD with the Panthers, Give us the info, Colin. What is going to be your little end zone dance or your what's your thing? What's your go-to this time? Hopefully it's my second career test. I mean, that'll be two for two. <laughs> I do the same thing every time. If you look at all my pictures when I score, there's not many touchdowns, folks. So I always spread my arms and look for someone to hug. I'm not really, a, um, I don't have the moves. No, no Gronk. No, <laughs> no, the Gronk spike is like one of my favorites. I used to do it in, college too. Scored in practice, but it is, I don't, you know, Every tight end does it, so I don't want to do it. You know, that's on my. That's on or the my, what? I, what the row in the boat? I like that one. Row in the boat. I mean, that's cool. I don't have any swagger like that. But if I score like on a crazy play where I'm not wide open like I was last time, I will spike that ball so hard and pop it. You know, but I don't know if I'll be put in that situation to do so. Who knows? We'll see. And we I mean, will make the best meme about that and post it everywhere. Correct, and it'll, and I will pop back on your show <laughs> if you want me back. Yeah, I, we definitely want you back, please, for sure. Now, I do want to end this on a little bit of a. A different kind of note, because I have told you, I do all this research. I write all my notes. I probably have 12 pages of notes on you right now, to be honest. Not creepy at all. But I love it. the one thing that I wrote on a whole page by itself that stood out to me personally when I was doing my research about you was when I went to your Twitter, your back or your headboard of your Twitter is pride with the Carolina Panther symbol and all the colors. And of course I had to ask you about that and hear your story on it. Look at, look at you digging deep. I like it. You're the first person to ask me about that, um, which is really special and near and dear to my heart. So my brother is a, is a gay man and it's been the best gift for me to, to for my best friend to, to be gay and really for my parents to accept. It sounds crazy to me to even say they accept it. It was completely normal to us. It was like a normal day when he came out. It was no big deal. And we always thought and knew that knew Curry was gay. And he's a successful person in the re- retail industry, working for my mother now. And uh, he says, we've become best friends. And we didn't have anything in common when we were kids. We did because of what our family was doing, moving in the right direction, uh, value over non-materialistic things. 
different little things like that, travel, fun, but never, we never shot a basketball together. We never played hockey together. We never had a football camp. He was always doing different things inside, designing dresses, uh, dressing up Barbies, like all these different things. Since we were kids, I mean, literally, we played James Bond 007 together. We liked um, egg old waffles, sandwiches, or ice cream in the middle. And that was like one, that was our bonding moments. But yeah, that's a great observation by you. I, I keep it up there. A couple people tweet like, what's this about, bro? And I want to be like, educate yourself. But I don't really have it out there publicly. Here in another podcast is the only place I've ever talked about it. And I will more. But yeah, my, my brother and my best friend, Curry Thompson, he's, he's gay. And I'm, I'm a huge supporter of the LGBTQ community. Really, it's a, it's a, it's a special group of, of people that, that are not accepted. And it's unfair because it's been uh, an unbelievable uh, you know, journey for me to, to learn more and see a different side of the world. I really don't want to be around people that are like me. And you know, that's why I think uh, we should accept everybody. Color skin, whatever you're into, who you want to date. Thank God it's a different world now because I wouldn't know if I would have been able to live in the old world. It's getting better for sure. We're nowhere near where we need to be, but yeah, that's why the prime thing is there. I don't know if you realize this just by saying what you said, but many people, children, adults, fans, they look up to you, Colin, and using a platform like you have being on an NFL team, especially with so much going on in our world as it is right now using a platform like that to speak on these sensitive and just tough subjects for certain people. I love it. And I am happy that now it's becoming more of a normal thing instead of being like a kind of a pushed away topic. I love it. And I I'm, respect you for, for bringing it up because it's not a normal thing and an easy thing to talk about. And that's why you have a successful podcast and you'll be a successful person because of the open-minded approach you have. And you know, and the ability to have these conversations at a high level. I am nowhere near where I need to be on social injustice or talking about the gay community or whatever it is. But I constantly want to learn. I'm constantly picking brains in the locker room of black men, white men, everybody. Like, how can we be better humans? And that's what, you know, Coach Rule is all about. That's what really this team's about in Carolina. And that's why we're a post team. And, and then my family. And really the people I want to associate myself, my friends with all about, I couldn't tell you how many people I've pushed away, either not publicly, but more privately throughout the years that are racist or, you know, are sexist or are homophobic. It's really crazy. It's just ignorance. And okay, great. I understand that maybe your parents were, but I know who you are. You are who your parents are. And I'm blessed to have two parents that are open-minded, but really you got to do a little deep dive in yourself and and, and maybe do a little research on, on the hate crimes, the, just the craziness that people that weren't accepted other than the white man, it's just sad. It's sickening. And, and uh, no, I'm blessed that and, and happy that you, you brought it up because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And I'm sure your brother is happy to have a brother like you that is awesome. And in his corner, like we keep talking about how important is, that is for everybody. I hope that Again, these conversations can continue. And I would love to have opinions on Pickens and not for long podcast, maybe even come together on LBG like the month and like do some kind of fundraiser for donations or or come up with something we can do to collab on that. I think again, I don't have all the answers off the top of my head, but I would love for our teams to come together and see what we can do to open up this conversation for more people. 
Well, first we got to get some merch going. That would be sweet. Get a little rainbow, don't rainbow with the put your I love that. podcast and my podcast. We could do a lot of cool things. Well, let me mind. know. My aunt owns her own business for that. We get them, and I'll definitely put my word in for you. We're getting stuff going on here. I love it. I'm in. We'll find a way to get it going. Like I said, we're launching the podcast at the end of the month. And uh, do you have a date set yet, or is that going to be announced on your Instagram? Can you drop your Instagram for people on here to know and follow? So everything, I, I you'll just follow my Instagram. Uh, Colin Thompson 86 and then follow my Twitter Colin Thompson TU for Temple University and everything will be released on there all the not for long stuff is done re-edited but we aren't pushing any followers there until we're ready to roar um, that's for my request because yeah we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna release three podcasts the first three podcasts out at once like a little binge watching thing like a little Netflix action and then we'll do a weekly podcast so yeah it's something that that's fun for me. And I would love to team up and do this. Maybe we'll plan to do it uh, sometime in March. You know, maybe we plan to do something for black history month too. When we get started, that'd be cool. So I love all that. We are on board a hundred percent. And again, it's, I do have to say this before I go to back in my corniness, I have interviewed a lot of athletes and coaches, Colin, and I know we just met and sometimes it's not easy to open up to people especially something we know that many people are going to see. I've met two versions of athletes. Let me just say that. The one version who is, I don't want to sound awful, but I guess full of themselves, conceited, is not aware of the outside world, anything that's not in their vicinity, and really just doesn't care. And then there's another athlete that is humble, aware, concerned with others besides themselves, wants to use their platform from good, wants to better themselves as a person along the way and people around them. And in the short time we've talked, Colin, I can truly say you're on the great side and blessed to have been able to meet you today, dude. And just happy you're on the podcast. Thank you so much and really appreciate you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll say this for the, for the athletes and in defense to some of those athletes that may be on the other side. I can guarantee you they didn't have the opportunities that I had. Doesn't make an excuse for them, but uh, especially if they're rude. But ninety-nine percent aren't rude. But you know, I'm just blessed. Like like I said, I'm blessed to be open, open-minded. That's not because I wasn't born that way. Right? We we're born as blobs, and then your parents or whoever watches you crack you. And I was lucky to have a village. It took a village to get me to this league, and hopefully, it takes a village. You know, it's going to take a village for me to stay. And I'm very fortunate to have great support group, family, friends, uh, loving brother fiance, mom and dad, and then the list goes on. I'm blessed. So I'm a product of everyone around me. I said that in my little tweet Instagram when I scored, because it's really true. It's really true. A lot of people invested me over the years and it was pretty unique moment. We'll finish. I, there's a couple of local bars, watering holes that I go to in the off seasons or whenever I get out and travel and one in Key West, Florida called Shots and Eagles. I know what you're talking about. That's so crazy. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, Shots and Giggles, my uncle and aunt's bar. It's right behind Toppy Joe's. So, that's my little hideout and um, uh, Pumpsonville Pub, which is a little place where I'm from, a little, uh, just a cool little bar. And then uh, Cape May, New Jersey, they call the Sea View Inn. It's a place right near me. And I was able to buy and run around and drink that day when I scored on my drive home, giving my credit card number out, talking to my dad and my uncle and my family who at the other bar, like, hey, buy everyone around on me because really those people have been a part of it, everything along the way. So I'm very blessed. Well, on that note, Colin, again, thanks for being on the show. We can't wait to see how the journey of Colin Thompson continues 
to shatter ceilings and improve. And on that note, Opinions on Pickens fam, make sure that you follow Colin, you follow his podcast, keep up with all this awesome work that he's doing, follow his career with the Panthers and beyond, and learn a little something from along the way, people. I hope you you learned a few things here. On that note, my name's Alyssa Butterson. This is Opinions on Pickens. Keep winning. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Instagram at Opinions on Pickens. Please like and subscribe to us on YouTube and check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep winning.